Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collie while I was just thinking about it. We are at Exodus chapter 20. And so just kind of a, this one's going to be a little bit different. Not not a whole lot different than our normal recording. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to hit each commandment, I think. And Tom's going to be reading today. Tom, what do you think about, uh, what is your ideals and thoughts oh, I'm, I'm about I'm, the Ten Commandments? I think that it's uh, really interesting because there's ten of them and that a good majority of them are what our country is founded on, you know, and so there's, and, and I like l- looking at it as parts that, uh, you know, that people can hold us accountable to, and then there's parts that only we can hold ourselves accountable for, because it talks about outward stuff and inward stuff, and just, you know, basically how to, uh, how to conduct yourself. So, I, I, when I read this, when I read through it, I try to put myself in the shoes of the, the, the Israelites there as they're hearing it for the first time. Because if God is already having to come down and say, okay, here are my commandments, there's got to be something that has led up to this to uh, actually have it be outlined. You know, touching that kill, all that kind of stuff. So it makes you wonder what their normal, what the, what the Israelites' social normal up to this point was. I think commandments to me are very important. Uh, they are separate from any of the other statutes of God. These were written significantly by his hand. Um, I think as we see later on, was it chapter 21 maybe? Probably not. Somewhere along here it says with his finger he wrote it. And uh, I think those set the commandments aside. And it's also the first time we see all the Ten Commandments together. I do believe that the Ten Commandments have been subsequently, or I don't know if that's the right word or not, but throughout the entire uh, book of Genesis, you can see the Ten Commandments uh, being seen. Now, of course, it's not something that you see that says, thou shalt not do this or that, or, you know, go into any depths, but it's through examples that we see them. And I do believe that it's these commandments that Noah himself lived his life by, along with, you know, some past tense people around his time. The Ten Commandments, to me, I think is a perfect reflection of the character of Christ. When God said that David is a man after his own heart, he was a man that was striving for this type of life because i mean imagine if we all had the character of god in other words imagine if all society kept all 10 of the commandments what kind of society would we live in 
And that's, I guess, in, in a sh very short nutshell, that would be what I would think the, the Ten Commandments, at least reflectively to me, is. Right, but, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good question, starting this off, though. All right, so verse 1 in chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Three and four is, uh, it, it, number three is the first one, number four is the explanation of. You shall know no other gods before me. Don't make for yourself an image of form of anything in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So are you saying, like, verse 3 and 4 are the same commandment? Yes. Because... 3 and 4 together is the second commandment. Yeah, 3 and yeah. 4 together is the second commandment. Be because you should know the gods. Well, what do you, what do you con constitute as gods? Don't make yourself any image of anything. So what would you say the first commandment is, then? Right there. That This is the first commandment. I think... Uh... I think thou should not have no other gods before me. You don't have to have an image for that. You can have I was something just going to say that the same thing. I mean, thing. there's Lucifer, you know. Uh, you can have images of him, but at the same time, he actually does exist, and you can pray to him without having an image, uh, just for an example. And I'm a firm believer that you can trace all mythological uh, religions back to Lucifer. Oh, yeah. Probably actually, I mean, if you want to get specific, probably even to the Tower of Babel itself. Yeah, because I think that's that. where a lot of it's like stemmed from, at least modern, like yeah. modern, modern, modern secret patterns. Societies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> modern secret society. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not to. But uh, and and I would. Him, but... I mean, Tom, you got a good point because number the the that second one, verse four, about the images that goes into it more deeply. But I think that's because we're talking about two sides of the same coin, where we're saying where where God is saying, "Have no other gods before me." Okay, and if you must have an image, don't, no images either. Like I think he's he's trying to get specific here because, and that's why I they're the same, but they're not in that sense that yes, you're you're talking about worshiping things, but in this essence, it is like because number number one that first for, quote unquote the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. It could be yourself. If you're your if yourself is that god, because I mean if if we can boil this down lucifer was very selfish and so he put himself up as god and therefore in in this if we want to go one for one here that would be like you are worshiping another god or you know obviously you could toss any other god in there thor ra you know any god that that's that's outside of the realm of of the biblical narrative but why why do you think that god said images like i can understand have no other god why do you think he leapt as the second one to images, and I would say referencing to Israel and also referencing to us today, because obviously the Ten Commandments have you know passed through time. I'm I, I'm on the fence on this because when I read this, okay, it, it also embodies crosses and embodies you know um, uh, Jesus hanging on the cross or images of Jesus, because although he was the Son, he was still of the earth. And so if we're not to have any image or graven images, then 
you know, if we are to pray to the Jesus on the wall, then are we not like violating that second? I commandment? think we are. As long it says right here, it's a twofold commandment, not twofold. Excuse me, it's a two uh, verse commandment, and it adds on, it adds on to it. Thou should not bow down thyself to them. So there, what's the difference between yeah, wearing think... a cross around your neck and bowing down in front of a cross and praying to it? There's to me, I believe there's a significant difference in that. Yeah, it and almost I, seems, though, I don't mean to cut you off, but it almost seems, though, that verse 4 is kind of explaining what the image is, and verse 5 would be, so it says, you shall not bow, because there's a semicolon there, which means, okay, hold on, everything that I just said before this applies to what I'm saying now. So I think what, like, in, in, in reference to what you're saying, it's it's kind of that this is what it is, and this is what you shouldn't do. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and, and take notice, he mentioned a kind of, uh, he kind of mentioned it. He says, anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. That means, like you said, Jesus or God himself, uh, an image or a statue, a non-living entity does not substitute the real thing. It's, I think that's different than a picture. You don't bow down to a picture uh, first of all, not really any of us knows what God's looks like. We have a couple of descriptions of them. So <laughs> trust me, I've seen some of the images out there, what people think that God looks like. Jesus, you're British. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's a funny thing. Yeah. I think I told you guys about this. I, I was, I was listening to a pastor one time and he, he was talking about the images thing too. And he goes, he goes, you guys, I've preached literally all over this planet. I've, I've been to like 36 different countries, done so many seminars and, and about prophecy and about the Bible. And, and he goes in and he says, you know what's funny? When I go to Mexico, the images of Jesus are Hispanic. When I go to, you know, South America, Jesus has much darker skin. When I go to <laughs> Europe, guess what? He's a pasty white guy, you know, like <laughs> he's European. He's like, people do these images based upon their nationalities because it's what they're used to. But you were talking about something interesting. You were saying, so what about crosses? Are you saying that, are you, I, I guess, challenging the fact that some people wear crosses or have crosses as an image? Or are you more talking about the, the bowing down or praying or like the rosary type thing where you pray with it or yeah, type yeah, of thing? Something like that. Like, um, this. This is in remembrance. This is of uh, a memory maker. And then there's those, I must pray holding this. I must. Like a good luck charm. Like a good luck charm. You know, or, you know, when you, when you bow down before the cross or, or, or any of this, it's, it's not before the cross. It's before God. Um, we, don't, we shouldn't have to approach the altar. We can kneel where we're at. And I think that's what God's getting at here. You don't need any gods before me. Don't make any graven images. There's no, there should be no reason why we need to um, worship a, a human figure because we've just now made a, a godlike entity of our own creation that are now widely accepted in churches everywhere. You know? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing uh, after after looking into this today, I was, I was studying it today and listening to stuff today about it, and something really caught me is in Genesis 1, Chapter one, it says that God created man in his own, and I'll put in air quotes, image. And scripture says that God wants to live in us. I think it's honestly an insult to human intelligence when we try to put the image of 
that God has already made in us and he wants to live in us out here and then we worship that. Kind of like what you were saying of you're carving this this wooden thing and oh here it is I'm worshiping this wooden piece of something that I just you know picked up off the beach and carved you know and now I'm praying to it. I think it's an insult to God's own creation because think about it God made us in his image and Jesus wants to live in us. Here is where he wants to make the change. He doesn't want us to have this reaction to this out here. God realizes human beings get attached emotionally to things, thing things. I think God was trying to let us know, listen, I, I want to be in you. I want to make that effect in you. I don't want this other thing to make that effect in you or on you type of thing. Did you add you have something to I could go on for, uh, with this verse alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just, I mean, yeah. It, it, you know, I could touch up on what you said. You said something about character earlier, and what is God's character? It sums up as, as in his law, you know, the Ten Commandments. And if we're to have the character of the God, then you can say that we should have the image of God. If we were formed in his image... We should be reflecting it. We should be having his character, which is his image. You know, remember that image doesn't always mean a picture. It always, it could mean a, a reflection. Right. So... Uh, so for those of you who are into Bible prophecy and still learning and haven't learned yet, revelation, image, revelation. Well, even, well, the word image, even in the New Testament is referenced like that when Paul said, you know, he was talking about how a man who forgets his own image after he looks in a mirror, it's the same thing, but he wasn't looking at a picture. He was looking at an image of himself, which is a reflection. Yeah. That's awesome. I like how it carries on into like a uh, a parenting a parent warning, not not like it's a parent, but to the parents. Um, I'm a jealous God, and if you if you don't do this, I'm going to punish the children for the sin of the parents. Right, generations of those who generation. hate me. Yeah, yep. all the way up to the fourth generation. I think, and it talks about the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. You know, that's almost saying like. All right, you got four generations of your family to get your act together, your character together, or else I'm going to take action. And if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of fourth generations out there in in the uh, the Bible, especially the Old Testament talks about how in the fourth generation something happened. You know, either they were saved or, you know, they were punished in some form of way, taken into exile, something. It's always the fourth generation. And I think, I don't know if this is the first time we see that or not. However, it is mentioned in the Ten Commandments. Most people I talk to, they think that that is a curse. I think that's a warning. You have four generations to repent. Now, do you think that that is a a perpetual thing? Because every generation starts anew. And if they reflect their, their, their parents then will it not also visit the fourth generation of their kids? Well, I, I was just going to say something like that, Tom. I think that's what it's trying to say is like, okay, if my children see that, you know, I'm obsessed, I'm holding my cell phone right now. If I'm obsessed with this thing, well, then guess what happens? Obsession, obsession, obsession. And my children see that repetitively. And so that's that, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, obviously this is a, you know, it's a device, but what if this is the quote unquote, I'll just put in loose quotations, image that I'm worshiping and this is the thing that that obsesses my time then my children are going to see that and that will be I don't want to say it's perpetual but I, I would say that it could potentially be 
you know what I mean? Like it could be one of those things where, I mean, I don't know. Alcoholism, for example, ran in my family for a long time, but a, a break in the chain. Now it didn't completely end, but a break in the chain happened with my grandfather and actually my dad on the, my dad on my dad's side and on my mom's side, my grandfather, where he, he became a preacher. My grandfather stopped drinking, just cold Turkey, everything, the whole shot. And so therefore like, 90% of his kids, they, they don't do alcohol. And on my side, it was my family, my, my father and my mother, they don't drink on, on my dad's side. And so it, it, you know, it, it broke that chain on both sides. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Would that be two generations then? Am I, I'm like two, I'm two <laughs> out, man. <laughs> well, I, I think I also think... that it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say, you know, I can't think of any other verbiage, but scare tactics. Um, he's got his, uh, a, a being of his word and he said it, so he'll do it, but it needed to be said. And everyone that has witnessed everything thus far would know, Oh, what he just did to the Egyptians was punishment. And I got to follow these commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So I'm going to follow this that line. He just said, he's going to punish the fourth generation of my kids. If I don't, and I just saw what he will do, and he said he did it, and he followed through. So he's going to follow through with this, too. So I need to get my ducks in a row. Although there, well, is, a, there is a caveat we do have to take, take in, which is the bottom of, it's the very end of verse 5, and it says, for those who hate me, generations of those who hate me. So I think there is that little caveat that, you know, if a family's really trying for the Lord, you know, even though there are generational curses, that there's something that God can do in that family. You know, outside of those who are just flat out, throw their hands up, God, I want nothing to do well, with you. Let us just, not forget the third verse of this commandment. Go for it. Uh, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's that little caveat right at the mm-hmm. tail end of that that's like, oh, hold on. Instead of perpetual, I think it's more conditional. Conditional? Yeah. Okay. Especially okay. now that, you know, Christ died for our sins. And um, for a lot of us, we, uh, I don't know if about a lot of us, but for, those of us who believe that there is an end of probation, and I think every Christian should believe in an end of probation, because it happens upon your death. Uh, now, that's when your that's when probation ends for now. Most side people. side note: I don't I don't want to get too far without explaining that probation just means the kind of like if you, the illegal probation. If you're on probation before you go to be judged in a, in the legal sense, this is the same thing, but it would be from the moral sense. So like probation ends when you die because you no longer can make a choice for Christ. You're you're dead. So and that's kind of what he's talking about. I just it's it's a word that some people may not be familiar with. So although I do like how you how you mentioned that it was conditional. This is I mean, I think that's perfect because for those who hate me, but show mercy. And that's the thing. I think we, we can't miss that here is that even though this sounds like, whoa, wow, God, oh, generation, whoa, hold on. But I show mercy to thousands. And, and, and he kind of goes into the, yeah, for those who love me and those who keep my commandments. Like, whoa, hold on. Yeah. All right, continuing on, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Mine has slightly different, but the same meaning. Mine says, you shall not take the Lord's, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In other words, same thing, type, like you're taking it for no reason. You're just 
Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're going to invoke the name of God, mean what you're saying. Yeah. You know, don't just... It, it's like any word, like ladle. If you say ladle, 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 ladle it, it ends up losing its impact. You know what's mine? Couch. What's couch. You say that like 12 or 20 times, you just say couch, 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 and it just it loses its loses its meaning. <laughs> and it's like, why, why does this word mean that? Why does... You, know, right. you, you just start questioning because you can't put it together anymore. And um, it desensitizes. In in today's culture, um, Jesus Christ, you know, God, you know, Lord, or any of anything that has to do with God, has been used so much that it's lost its reverence. Abused, if we yeah, yeah. it's became a cursing factor. Yeah, and you know, to me, it's using the name, uh, using God's name in vain is goes beyond cursing. Just cursing it, it's mentioning his name in conversa- conversation or mentioning his name to get what you want uh Ooh. yeah wow. be aware of these uh you know these wolves and sheep clothing that come in my name it, that's those wolves and sheep clothing clothing are using god's name in vain right you're quoting jesus right yeah, yeah. Also, I I've, I heard this once, and it, it's been so impactful for me. When it was it was just somebody going through the Ten Commandments and kind of just doing similar to what we were doing. And one of the things that he said was, "This take somebody's name." It's very interesting that the church and God's people have always been referenced in in the Bible as she or a virgin. Is we should be you know a virgin. The church is supposed to be a chaste virgin type of thing. That just means we're supposed to be pure and stuff like that. So the Bible is always mentioned, like, from God's perspective, God's people as a whole, whether it be the church today or whether it be, you know, the Israelites or Jewish people back then, they were always mentioned as a she. And it was always mentioned as the marriage supper of the lamb and these type of things, right? This type of marriage ceremony type of thing. And it's very interesting when a woman, we'll say the church, takes up a man's name or God's name, it's in a marriage. Like when my wife married me, she took my name. In other words, she now is, my last name is Becker. So she is now a Becker, but she just doesn't get a name all of a sudden. It actually means something. What does it mean to be a Becker? I'm not trying to go too deep here, but like sometimes I'll tell my own children, listen, Beckers don't. And like when it comes to like my children, I'm trying to teach them, you know, encouragement and stuff like that. And I say like Beckers, we don't give up. Beckers don't give up. You know what I mean? And I know that's just a little thing, but the kids realize they themselves own the name Becker. And so therefore, well, what does it mean to be a Becker? In this case, I would say this may have even a twofold thing where if you're taking the Lord's name, we're marrying ourselves to God when it comes to coming to Christ and ha- accepting him into our hearts. We are now in the family of God, if you will. And here's, <laughs> if we're taking that name, I guess my, my question would be is, what would you guys think? What would it mean to be taking it in vain? You know, in, in, in the marriage, in that marriage comparison type it, thing. In the description that you've given me, it's... Uh... Well, I add on to something I was like to say anyways, is it seems like when you come to Christ and you start, you be, you become his representative. And if you start using his name in vain, you slander his name. Not only do you slander his name, his reputation, but yours as well. 
Now, when you say slander his name, do you mean like, in my mind, what I kind of see is, okay, I'm, I am now a follower of Christ. I'm the follower of Christ. I'm taking his name. He's in my heart, but outwardly, it's not showing. We're not reflecting that character of God. In my mind, that's the, where I see like you're taking the Lord's name in vain, where there are moments in your life where you're absolutely, that is not, you know better type of thing. <laughs> you know this is not a follower of Christ, like a follower of Christ shouldn't, be, shouldn't do this to somebody or something like that. And that's kind of the way that I sort of think of it is, yeah, I don't know. It was just very interesting when he said that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting because that, that's, that opens a whole new realm of, of complications. So if I, let's say if I were preaching, I'm taking God's name. Like I am preaching. I had better understand that what I am saying, I am delivering God's name to somebody. Am I doing it in vain for fun and to, to just get, you know, claps at the end of a sermon or get pats on the back or am i actually doing it to to for the glory of god for the glory of god right right to uplift the lord so i mean i'm just saying it just it it puts a whole nother dimension on that whole the lord's name in vain like and I, i appreciate where tom was starting because that's true we we are desensitized to the name of jesus just on on a secular level and so much so that you'll you'll find you'll hear parents not wanting their kids to say Jesus Christ because now it could be a bad word. It's a cuss word. Yeah, don't, right. don't yeah. be saying that word. That's it's sad. Someone yells out in pain that, Tom. the name of you know Christ, and you're like, is he praying or is he swearing or is it both? Is it a little <laughs> bit of both? Right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. No, that, that's that, just a that couple examples. Yeah. 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 That's good, guys. All right. Verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, or your male or your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now in my in my household... Six days are the Sabbath day to my kids. Like, they don't do any work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would, I would say that, but my kids are, my kids do schoolwork. So (laughs) they're working all the time. You know, I think we could spend days on this alone. This is such a controversial commandment. It is. Among the denominations of Christian. This is one of those things. This is a very important verse to remember. Um, it says remember. <laughs> yes, exactly. It literally says to remember, and there's reasons why it says remember. You know, for those who study prophecy, any of the commandments throughout the entire Bible that has ever been tampered with by an earthly ruler, something bad happened. People, the people who obeyed the commandments were saved. The earthly ruler was made an example of you know to bow down to the images in daniel oh wow we get a parallel to that yeah so you're talking about king nebuchadnezzar he made a gold statue and this is in the book of daniel he made a gold statue and he made he made his country bow down to it shadrach meshach and abednego they didn't refused but they were saved 
through the whole thing. They were going to be killed if you didn't bow down to the statue. And yeah, yeah. we can keep going back and back and further all the way up to, uh, you know, the Mark of Cain. He committed murder. Guy didn't like that. And instead of killing him right away, what does he do? He did what he did with Lucifer. He expelled him. He got cast out. Yeah, he got he cast said, out. You need to leave. Then there's the flood. Everybody except for eight people listened to God. Well, it was it was a little bit more than eight people. Only eight people entered the ark. Right. You know, we can go to Pharaoh right before this, right before the Ten Commandments, before he was delivered. Uh, Pharaoh said, uh, get thee unto my burdens. You made my people rest. That And that <laughs> word was Shabbat. Yeah. Originally. That's because he was making them work. 24 set. I mean, just all the, all the time, nonstop, every single day, day in, day out, day in, day out. Yep. They never got a day off. And Moses was, you know, he did what the Lord said, and he went up to the Pharaoh and requested for them to celebrate the Shabbat, and, uh, or Shabbat. Shabbat, yeah. The Sabbath. He said no, and he made a law. And guess what happened? Well, <laughs> we just went through that, didn't exactly. we? Exactly. <laughs> like, well, you guys did. <laughs> So, I was going to say, there were, there were several plagues after that one. Yeah. And, you know, if we're talking about characters and images and images being laws, and you go fast forward to Revelation, we can only imagine that, or, well, let me add on something, too. He thinks he should change times and laws. There's significance about that. We're talking about laws, or even right now, the Ten Commandments is mm-hmm. God's moral law that he wrote with his finger. And what is it, James? No. Well, it, it is written that, you know, God does not change. His law does not change. Those parallels with each other. And then we can talk about transgresses the law in First John 3, 4. You transgress them all. And then again in James 1, 10. And it just goes on and on. And here we have a commandment that specifically says remember. And then in other verses also says it shall be a sign. I think this is a very important verse, not just because, you know, of certain denominations, but because he literally says, remember, it, it will be a sign. And, um, and you know, he talks about who is it for? We see the seventh day, the Shabbat, the rest, originally in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, before even sin began. And yeah. Tom and I were discussing earlier we see a little bit of the commandments throughout genesis it's yeah, not it's yeah. not particularly mentioned but the actions are mentioned yeah how about this though like I, I there seems to be a lot here but and there are there's a lot of levels to this but if if we were to sum it up because like tom mentioned the female servant and the male servant and the the you know stranger that's in, within your gates and those type of things but here's the thing if we were to sum it up into one very succinct, simple thing to understand is you honor the Sabbath that the Lord has established and you let others honor it. You give them the opportunity to honor it. And that's, if we were, I mean, is that to sum it up, could we say that? Like you honor, you should honor it and you also give everyone opportunity to honor it themselves. Yes. I think that here he's speaking to this small group of people. I say small, like... Two and a for, half million. Yeah. <laughs> but that is that is their community. You know, if you flash forward into um, the Pentecost area, you know, just, just shortly after, how all the believers lived together, that, that was their group, you know, and so that was the, the, the direction to the, the group of believers that uh, everyone called Christians, you know, and 
that is like a direct a direct commandment to, to, to them. Like this is remember the seventh day. Remember the seventh day was made for you. God doesn't need to rest. He didn't make it for me. <laughs> God, God made the Sabbath for you. Take this day and rest and and, and worship God. And remember God on this day. Yeah. And that um so if, if there was a foreigner in their midst, then they too would be like, Well, come on in. You know, if you if you're gonna be here we're not going to really be working, so come join us for this. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be working today, so you know. And I, I think that there's such a, a melting pot here in the states that there's so many different denominations. It's it's easy to fall into the blend because on Saturday people are working, on Sunday people are working, on Monday people are working. You know. Oh yeah. This it's, it's a machine that never stops working. If, like you said, everybody followed it. And there was a day that the entire town just stopped and did this. Whoever was here would then fall into line and know that this is how it goes. <laughs> you know, right? Well, that's that's true. You know, there is one other thing I would like to touch up on is, and that's a seal. I see a seal here, and if you don't know what a seal is, an official government seal, you need three things: you need the name, the title, and the uh, the kingdom. Or what they're in charge of, the like government. You territory? Know? The territory, correct. And we see that here. We also see that in Revelation. Uh, verse 11, For in six days the Lord, that's the name, made, creator, that's his title, his territory, heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and huh. rested the seventh day. I see that. So in, yeah, so in six days, the Lord, so that's who it is, made, that's he's the creator of creator of what? The Lord created what? Heavens, earth, the sea, and all that in this. Wow. Right. And that is putting the seal on the law of God. That's in Revelation. That's also, yeah, that's in Revelation. It's also in, Dan well, Daniel's, Daniel 7.25, I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the end time, I don't know, People say Antichrist, it's the beast. The beast shall think to change times and laws. What's so special about that? Any man can change earthly laws, but can you change God's laws according to God? No. No. They, so they'd have to sit on his that, throne yeah, to do that. Something that an individual has to ponder and consider is changing anything in God's law a wise thing to do. Revelation, Revelation 3.12 the seal of God, the new name. I should put upon them their forehead the name of God, the new Jerusalem, and my new name, or title, character, my new title, my new authority, is actually what the word says in uh, original language. So we get the seal of God, and it describes what's on it. Hold on, hold on, you just said something else about name and authority. Would that also apply to the last commandment? About not taking the name in vain, like taking his authority in vain. Just like we talked about, you know. Yeah. Okay, when we so, go so, out okay, and so. we, when we witness to people about God, and we say that God says this, we are using His authority for whatever our oh, reasons wow. are, whether it's negative, positive, deception, or truth. Dude, <laughs> you just said name and authority. I'm like, wait a minute, we just talked about a name. <laughs> now listen. Just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. 
And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. We used to pray around a flagpole, holding hands, back when we were allowed to touch each other. Is there going to be a time where we, like, kids aren't going to know what a high five is anymore? Like, is it gone? According to Demolition Man, yes. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.